All right, here we're going to talk about some stuff today that we all can relate to in some way or another. Um, let's first of all, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now no chastising for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless afterward it yields us a peaceable fruit of righteousness into them which are exercised thereby. And let's uh, grab 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given in inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction of institution of righteousness. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity today, Father, to, to hear your word. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to receive it, Father. We ask you to take myself out of the way and let your true message shine through. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, we have these situations. You know, we're, we just read here that the word is good for, and the part I want to pull out is, is correction. And uh, after all, isn't that one of the reasons why we're here? We want to hear the Word of God, which is the absolute truth. We want to see where our shortcomings are, and we want to improve on them. We want to make ourselves better. And even though this is our, our goal, you know, whether it be a, a primary or a secondary or even further down the, down the list, Oftentimes, we struggle with this kind of behavior because we don't like to be wrong. We don't like to be corrected. We don't like to correct ourselves, and we don't like to change. And this is, works not only in a, from a church aspect or a religious aspect, but in all aspects of life. We start this very early. If we was a, a little child and we get caught with our hand in the cookie jar and we know that we're not supposed to have cookies before supper but yet we're caught we have this this feeling that we get and uh, because we've we've done something wrong we've disappointed our parents which enforced a rule and we continue to go through these different things in life and we respond differently depending on the severity of what we are encountering. You know, if we get into something really big, we might want to run away from it. We want to avoid having to deal with it or, or talking about it or dealing with any, having any kind of conflict. So we might take ourselves out of that situation by leaving. We, in extreme circumstances, we may want to take ourselves out completely. That's why people look to, to suicide in times of great despair when they've been in a bad situation that they don't want to be associated with. And it all comes down to, to shame. You know, we have all, all different kinds of names for it and the different kind of names, and we may call it condemnation. We may call it conviction. We may call it whatever we want to call it, it all has a root in shame because we feel bad about what we've done. We feel bad that others know about what we've done. And 
whether it's on a, a personal level or an interpersonal level or it deals with others, the feeling remains. Now, in this world that we're living in today, there is forces that is trying to make us stop having these feelings, these feelings of, of shame. And we're just going to call it shame for, for today, just say on, on the same topic. But they're trying to stop us from having these feelings of shame. And so to do that, they are wanting to do away with certain aspects of history. So we are going to take down monuments. We're going to change the way we learn in school. We're going to do all these things that take emphasis off these past events. So we don't have to deal with them. We don't have to look at it. We don't have to remember it so we don't feel the shame. Because it works in two ways. First of all, we feel the, the shame of it happening. And we feel the shame of it because we need to make a change. But if we eliminate, it, eliminate this feeling, then we don't have to deal with it. We are changing the way we interact with people. We have these things called political correctness where we want to omit certain terminology so we don't offend anyone. They're coming out with all these kind of lists of different kinds of words that are not harmful in any way, but they want to omit them from any kind of doctrine because they say now they don't apply to everyone. We want to do away with things like the word mother and father and sister and brother and go with more neutral things. There is a heavy push to eliminate what we know as, as gender because we don't want, to, we want everyone to fit in and we want everyone to have this non-emotion of shame. But what happens when we do this? Because nobody likes to be corrected. Nobody likes to be wrong. Nobody likes to feel bad. And that's what, we're, what the, the world is trying to do is to take away these, these feelings, to take away this shame. But conviction is good. Conviction is good. And when this shame manifests in the way of conviction, this is a good thing. This is what God wants. There are times that we need to do things differently. We need to evolve. We need to be different than what we are right now. We don't need to, to do away with this feeling. We don't need to mask this feeling. What we need to do is utilize it. Because we have different ways. 
And when we come with the, the Word of God, it, it falls into two categories. We got conviction and we got condemnation. And condemnation, that's that. That's that bad stuff, that bad feeling. That's the thing that makes us want to run and hide. That makes us want to, you know, we want to change churches because we don't like what this guy is saying because he's making us feel bad. That's the kind of stuff that makes us want to, you know, just block ourselves out. We want to just blame others. We want to do all these negative things. But conviction, that is something different because conviction makes us look within. It makes us to still not want to have these feelings of shame, but instead of trying to blame others, instead of trying to run away, instead of trying to mask it and hide it, it makes us want to change so we don't do the behavior that caused us to feel that way in the beginning. We have a, a push to change the image of everything that God has created. God set up a structure. He created a family structure. He created man. He created woman. And he has an image an ability, and an idea of what that should look like. And everything that God does, God does with a purpose. But here in 2021, in a world that is dominated by sin, in a world that is dominated by Satan, where he's got his hand in everything, we are, he is trying to change that image of God. Because that's his plan. That's what he does. He lies. He deceives. He wants us to make it look like God doesn't know what he's talking about, that God is not relevant anymore, that God doesn't count. So he makes these lies. And we humans, we are lazy. We always want to take the easy way out. If we want to make ourselves look better, we instead of dieting and exercising, we look to surgery. We look to a magical pill. We look to taking shortcuts. We look to the easy way out. The path to righteousness is not easy. You know, they talk about it being a narrow road. You know, wide roads are good because they're nice and smooth in the middle. There's no bushes on the side, but the narrow paths, you ever walk down one of them, sometimes that can be kind of tricky because there's things you're going to trip over. There's things that's going to get in your way. There's going to be spider webs. There's going to be bushes hanging over. There's going to be vines. There's going to be thorns. It's going to be difficult in time. And God tells us that. But he gives us all the tools that we need to be able to accomplish these things. We live in a world where we are scared to speak the truth. 
See, when it comes to things that cause shame, there's, there's two things that that branches off to. First of all is how we feel when we're in that situation, where we're the ones that are needing correction. And also, when we are to be the ones that are the correctors. You know, the word throughout it, there's different themes. One of the themes is, is to repent. Repent to God, but also to talk to your fellow brothers and sisters. We have a duty to be an example to others. But what the world wants to do is, what Satan wants to do is take these godly examples, holy men and women, and turn them into something else. Where we are supposed to stand up and to be strong, the world is telling us no. And one of the biggest things that's under attack today is men. We look at, at David. He was a man after God's own heart. But he was also a warrior. He killed a bear. He killed a lion. He was brave. He was strong. He led as a king. And as a king, you were also the leader of the military. He led his men into battle. He was brave. He was strong. And there's many other examples of this. And even though there was times when the human side got the better of them, when feelings suggested other things, they still rose up and did what they needed to do. Solomon used his ability, his wisdom, to build wealth, to build a temple. Even King Saul was a warrior till he let the world and Satan get the better of him. Look at Joseph. He stood up as a man when he didn't make a mockery of his bestrode Mary, when he protected Jesus as a child, when he took him and kept him safe. The apostles. Despite their faults, they were hardworking. They was gritty. And I could keep going. But today, if we see someone like this, we put them down. That we don't want our men to be leaders anymore. We don't want our men to be strong. These are things that God has put into us so we can accomplish 
what we are to accomplish here on earth. These characteristics that are bred into man's DNA so they can be leaders, that they can be the head of the family, that they can accomplish God's will. These things are now said to be to be wrong, to be bad. The world wants a, a neutered and watered down version of a man. They want him to keep quiet, to stand back. We look at these abominations. These ones that say that what God made is wrong and isn't good enough and wants to change it. And they are praised. We had Bruce Jenner that spent most of his life as the man that God made him. And then decided he needed to be something else and was praised and beloved because he made this choice. We have people that are being put into power that are not what God made them and they're being praised for the decisions that they make. We look at our, our celebrities. We have these male singers, actors, and they walk out onto the red carpet wearing women's clothes. That they blur the lines of what a man and a woman should be. They are soft. We look at the hero the heroes from a, another era. Matt Dillon, John Wayne. When they stand tall in their rugged attire and their hats and know that they're going to be able to, to take the punch, to save the day. But they're not the heroes anymore. They're looked down upon because of their, their ruggedness. We get a false sense that we're supposed to be weak. Many times preached from the pulpit that we are supposed to be meek and mild. That we're supposed to just roll over and be abused and take it. But that is not what God is telling us. We are given great power. And Jesus is the best absolute example of this. 
Because he had all the power. And any time someone came against him, he could have used his power in a different way. He could have turned him into a pillar of salt. He could have called down an angel army. He could have eliminated him with just a snap of a finger. But that is meekness. To being able to have power, great power, God-given power, and use it in a godly way. Because even though Jesus was not violent, he was not mean, he didn't get walked over. He stood his ground. When it came to the word of God, that was his weapon. And he wielded it with precision. He stood up there, tempted by Satan, and every temptation, he had a scripture to put him back in his place. Every Pharisee that came against him, he had scripture to put them in their place. The life of Jesus was not taken. He laid it down. He freely, out of his will, laid down his life because that was God's plan. That is what needed to be done to save you and me. There had to be a sacrifice, and he was the only one that could make that sacrifice. And that's what he did. What kind of sacrifice are men willing to make today? Not much. God has made men strong. He formed man from the earth. Everything God does is with a purpose. He formed man out of the earth. We have a connection with the earth. We look at it and see how can we shape it, subdue it, as God commands. How can we make it work for us? We take the raw materials that God gave us here to work with, and we take those things and we form them into something else that we can use. We are driven to go and to do and to make something. They talk about Unity. They talk about the world. We talk about community. But it all starts with family. A group of families come together and that's what makes a community. And these communities grow and grow and grow. And that is what it's supposed to be about. 
Now we're looking at the outside looking in, and we're not fixing the basis of what the problems are. And on the flip side, we look at we look at woman. God didn't pull up another pile of dirt. No. He went inside man. He took it from the flesh. And we look at how a woman is made. She is the the nurturing one. She is the one that is good with relationships. She is the communicator. These are scientific facts. They want to talk about science. These are scientific facts. But look how it all comes together. And we have to take these two things and come together to work together. The world is trying to take us away from God's purpose. He's about family. He's about creation. He tells us to be fruitful and to multiply. They are groups that speak bad about that because that's not what they want to do. They say that the ones that are are the problem. They say that we are overpopulating the world, that we are destroying it. It is all in God's hands. And God would not make a world that would not sustain his creation. You know, man wasn't an afterthought. God spent first creating the environment that he would put man in. You know, so many times we are we're not prepared. We, we come home from the hospital and we're still assembling the crib because we didn't get it done yet. We wasn't ready. We, we move into the house and it's not quite done yet. There's little, little things to be done and we're going to work on it along the way. Not God. God had everything in order. He created everything in the environment that his grand creation would need to be able to live and survive and to thrive and then, only then, did he put man into the garden. He gave Adam purpose. We have this ideal now that we're just supposed to share and survive and not really have to do too much. Adam had purpose. He had a job. He was to tend to the garden. If we all would just tend to our garden, our world that we have now, and quit putting it off for everyone else, to quit trying to find a shortcut and some kind of grand scheme of things, then there would be no need to look for alternatives a different way. We got to get back to 
the basis, what God's plan is. And the simple fact is, is we don't know. This word is not important anymore. People do not take it seriously. They don't care about it. They take and they change the word. They water it down. They omit things from it to make it sound better, to make it work for man's ideas. Church is not a priority. God is not a priority. And therefore, the family is no longer a priority. The foundation is cracked. And it's because of the wrong kind of priorities. So we go back to to shame. And we say that if a, a man is weak and he throws like a girl, he hits like a girl, we shouldn't say things like that anymore. You know, uh, we want to go back to science again. They are scientific facts. They've done studies by well-known institutes, by institutes that are highly supportive and highly left-wing, that say that if we allow a child to grow up in an environment where they are treated as a girl being a boy, as they are allowed to do things that we would say are gender specific, that they is a greatly higher chance for them to be homosexual. We are allowing a time of not wanting to hurt people's feelings, political correctness, and doing away with anything that might cause a little bit of shame to allow it to shape our future generations. Where will we be generations from now if God's version of what a man should be is no longer here. If we breed them out. How long are we going to make it when God's gender is no longer accepted? When we're some kind of neutered hybrid version of what a human used to be. What got me started on all this was an article, and it was about a father. And his son decided when he was eight years old that he was transgender. So the father said that There was often times that he would do things that made him question. He would dress up in 
dresses and he would play with things. But never once did we hear, hear about any kind of correction. We just allow it to be. And now there is a, a movement amongst parents that we don't raise girls as girls. We don't raise boys as boys. We raise them neutral and let them decide. How is it, though, that they can decide if they don't know what's right and wrong? If we don't implement those things into them at a early age, if we don't have some form of correctness. Because a child doesn't know. A child relies on the parents to teach. And as we get older, we don't know everything. So we rely on each other to teach. But if there is no correction, how are we ever supposed to improve? If everything is okay, if everything goes, how are we ever supposed to be better? How are we going to improve? There has to be some hard limits. Because it only works for what we say is okay right now. We allow a child that young to decide what they're going to be. We allow them to take medications to alter that path. But yet, everything else, we say that a child does not have the ability to be able to make those life-changing decisions. We have total control over the health care of our children because they do not have the mental capacity to be able to make those decisions, to decide whether if surgery is needed, if medication is needed. It falls back to us, the parents. So how is it that this one particular life-changing decision can be made without education, without mental capability, and without correction. The story went on to say that the boy, and that's what I'm going to call him that because that's what he was born as, that's what he was assigned at birth because of that's how God created him. The boy was having problems fitting in because little girls' bathing suits didn't fit him correctly. So the dad launched a, a line of clothes that would cater to boys in that situation. I just can't help but wonder if just a little bit of correction, if a little bit of God's word would change that. And why? You know, they might say, well, just let him be who he wants to be. But God does everything for a purpose. And if he was fulfilling God's purpose, 
he would be able to fit in. He would be able to go through and have a family, which is one of God's greatest gifts. In the Word of God, we look and we see every time that there was a woman that was cursed, they would close her womb, restrict children. And every time she was blessed, she would be blessed with a child. A child is the legacy of the family. And that's what every man works for, is to leave his legacy, his mark on his world. And his biggest legacy is his children. And these kids are going to be robbed from that. Robbed from God's blessing because of a lack of shame. A lack of correction. They're not going to know what it's like to have God's greatest gift. They're not going to know what it's like to fulfill what God has for them. God has an expected end for each and every one of us. But we cannot get there if we are not living the life that God has laid out for us. And we can't do that on one side if we are not walking in the shoes that God has given us. If we are not being strong. We're not being hard. We're not being nurturing. We're not being caring. We're not being who God has us to be. And on the other side, if we are not willing to stand up and say, that is wrong, that is wrong, that is wrong. And not just because it's our opinion, that's not because how we feel, that's not because of how we think, it's because of what God says. One of the greatest things we can do is to sharpen our minds. We don't have to be strong in the physical sense. We don't have to be warriors because some of us are past that point. Some of us are, but we can be strong in the mind. We can be strong with the weapon that really counts, which is the sword of the Lord. But it takes strength, an internal strength, to be able to Stand up against the world and Satan and what everything else is telling us that is correct. And walk in truth, which is the word of God. Bow with me, please.